and welcome to Cruising for Air Reviews. In this week, it's a mini sode where I'm joined once again by Maria. Hi, <laughs> sorry, I was laughing at Cruising for a Reviews. <laughs> <laughs> a wonderful name for a silly podcast. Sounded so cute. So thank you for coming back. We actually have something really important to talk about. So important. <laughs> outside of just talking about a Tom Cruise movie, because you are the only person I know personally, uh, and also the person, only person on this podcast who has met Tom Cruise. I have indeed. Okay, so let me set the scene. It was autumn of 2017 I was like I was what like what season comes after summer (laughs) I was like hang on a second it was May so when was that okay so it was the lead up to the critically reviled and commercially unsuccessful film The Mummy which I'm a big fan of and I was very excited because I'm a huge Universal Movie Monsters fan as we discussed on the previous episode if you haven't listened to that I recommend going back because I sort of explain this is like part two of that story I'm part one of that story and part to what happened after ill-fated as it was is in that first episode so go back and listen to that blah 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 okay so the mummy is coming up blah 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 they're like the publicists i don't really do that many interviews anymore it's usually just for specific things or it's more of like an in conversation or something like that like when Invisible Man came out, for instance, I did an in-conversation for that and a few sort of like little side interviews, but that's more of like a favor to a friend or like, cause you're a big fan of, of Lee or you've worked with him a few times rather than me actively working as a journalist. So that was kind of the time then I was more concentrating on, on book stuff and a bit of TV stuff. And this movie's coming out. Uh, I'm very excited and they're doing, they announced they're doing a big world tour. And I was like, Oh boy, whatever that means is whenever they're doing a a global press tour this is pre-covid they always start it in australia so usually what happens is you start australia first and then you go asia so it'd be like they might do a big singapore premiere or a big dubai premiere even sometimes big like whatever pick the country then they work their way through asia stopping off in various cities and then they work their way back so it's like australia gets it first because we're like the asshole of the world so they just like keep they just slowly <laughs> start working their way back so tom cruise is coming out for sophia Batella, who i am I'm obsessed with and love because she's amazing and she used to be a backup dancer for Janet Jackson, like legend. And I just think she's me. I know. And Madonna, whatever. (laughs) But like just an absolute, she's had like five careers and I think she's incredibly, not just her physicality as a performer is very interesting, but I think she's actually like very underrated, good performer. And Annabelle Wallace, who I also think is fantastic and very great. And then Russell Crowe, who's like fucking lives here. So like big deal. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) So would you want to... Interview Tom Cruise. Fuck yeah, of course I want to interview Tom Cruise. Okay, but spots are very limited. It would only be 15 minute slot. And actually now in hindsight, like 15 minutes, you, this is, this is usually what bullshit it is for people who don't, um, who haven't had the <laughs> misfortune to deal with these situations. Usually an interview spot for a celeb is seven minutes is what they will offer present day. And I'm like, get fucked because like, what can you get out of somebody in seven minutes? So I will say no, 15 minutes is m- minimum. And especially if you're doing features that's primarily what I do I don't write the smaller pieces I tend to write long wordy features so I need at least minimum 15 minutes 
minutes. Ideally, like half an hour. But anyway, whatever. So it's like, yep, 15 minutes. That's great. They're doing it out the front of the state theater. And there's going to be like a red carpet and shit. And then people go and watch the movie. Blah, 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 blah. So I get there early because I'm just that person who, especially for something like that, I'm always like, you know, just get there early. Whatever time they say, I'm getting there half an hour early. So I get there early, changing me mates. Who like Angela Bishop, absolute legend in the game. If anyone has ever wanted to know what Australia's top entertainment reporter is like, truly one of the nicest human beings alive, always remembers people's names, has read their last like 16 pieces, always has nice feedback. She's just absolute angel and really great at mentoring other women coming up in the biz. So trying to Ange, there's um, like, I don't know, maybe a thousand people, let's say a thousand, a thousand feels right, along Market Street in Sydney, which is a one-way, ugh, it's like a two-way street, but it's really only one way. Like you can't get very far the other way. And they've closed the street off and there's like a thousand people lined up along the barricades right in the middle of Sydney CBD, worst place on earth. And it's an hour and a half before the call time, before like the celebs are supposed to be arriving. And I say celebs, it's like your actors from home and away would be the ones arriving in an hour and a half. You're leading people from the film, etc., and not arriving until it's like 10, 15 minutes before call time. Tom Cruise pulls up an hour and a half before he's supposed to be there waves to everyone and then starts at one end of the line and starts signing photographing video recording whatevering posing for photos with the fans like a thousand fans like I cannot stress how many fucking people there were it was it was so many people who are all lined up and pressed along this barricade and because he's there an hour and a half early word spreading Tom Cruise is here he's signing photographs he's calling your mum he's fucking being photographed with babies like <laughs> You name it, he's doing it. So more people are showing up. And then it gets a little bit closer to showtime. So he does this. And I'm like, again, this might not be interesting to people, but I found it very interesting because I'm like, that's how you stay the top movie star in the world for, you know, however many decades, three, four decades at this point, is you show up mm. and you do the work. Uh, and so he does all the signing and photographing and, you know, videos and shit. And then he crosses the road, goes to, because there were no photographers here. So what happens is you have a photo wall and then you have a line of photographers and each of them will be shooting for various newspapers or whatever online places but then you also have these photographers what we call for the wires so that's like getty images and stuff like that so those images are syndicated they'll go all around the world anyone any like publication or whatever can buy them but those pictures are important because as soon as they get filed into the system usually they get filed first and that's what everyone's accessing people who can't afford to have like a permanent stringer photographer so mm. the photographers aren't even there when he's there half the journos aren't even there so it's really interesting so he crosses the road and walks back along the carpet and I was again because I was there early I was just like kind of leaning against the post and I was just like really fascinated watching the whole thing it was just like watching an operator move and as he walks to the photo thing he kind of looks over and it's really only like the tv uh journals you keep at one end of the carpet so the idea is <laughs> print a shit kickers this is this is not my opinion this is just like this is just what publicists believe right print shit kickers bloggers even shittier of kickers tv anything that's filmed is most important so you put those people at the start of the red carpet and then you prioritize to least important so that way if they get there late or somebody asks a question about you know this person they murdered or whatever then you can just like rush the celebrity through the rest of the line and skip it that's mm -hmm. hypothetically how it's supposed to work also because 
because TV people have an earlier deadline or at least a less flexible deadline. So the idea is you get that shit filmed first, keep it moving. So I'm one of the only print journos there and sort of like in the middle of the line. So as he like walks over, he kind of like gives me a, a head dot, like, hey. And I was like, hey. <laughs> it's just weird. Hi, like, Tom Cruise. Yeah, it's just like, hey, <laughs> hey. And then he goes off. And now at this point, enough photographers have arrived. No other celebrities have arrived. Not even like fucking Riverboy number six from Home and Away. So he goes over to the photo wall, takes a bunch of photos for the photographers that are there. Now this is smart because he knows that they need to make their print deadline by X amount of PM. So even though the other celebrities aren't there yet, and even though you still have to wait for fucking Russell Crowe to show up and like a pair of pluggers and rabbit shorts, and you still got to wait for this, this, and this, this still got to have a group shot, all that kind of stuff. You're still going to have some cannon shots. He knows that they need to file something. And the earlier they file something, the better position and better placement it's going to have on the page. So he zips over there, does the photo wall first, and then walks back down. Right. And I'm still there. And it's like, as I, as he goes to walk past across the road and start signing more shit for people, just, I was just like, Oh my God, this is insane. The stamina of this guy. He says, Hey, you look really cool. And I was like, thanks Tom Cruise. I was like, what do you say? And I was like, thanks. And he like puts out his hand and there's really no way to describe that this, but like it's, just, he essentially daps me up. So it's like here you would call it like a black fella handshake, but in America it's like dapping someone up. So it's like a, it's like a high five that transitions into like a slick hand pull back fist bump, boom, off you go. And it's one of those things that like when you're in it, you just have to like black out and like just go with the flow. So I was like, man, I, f- context for listeners, I'm mixed. Uh, I'm mixed Polynesian woman. But I was like, man, wonder if he can sense that. Cause he didn't give me like a white handshake. He gave me like a black fella handshake. I was like, that's crazy. <laughs> and then the guys who, these two guys are really sweet baby angels. And it was their first ever red carpet. They're done. They'd gotten there. And just as like in the space of time, between him walking to the to the photo wall and back they'd just gotten there and it was their first red carpet and they'd stood on the wrong spot and there's this fucking publicist lady was absolutely going off her tits at them and I was like just leave them it's fine you don't need to move them I'm cool I'll share the spot it's totally no dramas right and they were like oh thanks for sticking up for us I was like let's not sweat the small stuff who gives a fuck we'll have to interview the same people anyway it doesn't matter and so (laughs) they've just arrived Tom Cruise has come back and be like you look cool daft me up and they were just like what the fuck and I was like I literally this is as surprising to you as it is to me this whole experience has been quite surreal so far he goes back continues signing stuff for people for like another 45 minutes by this point other celebs start to arrive Annabelle Wallace oh my god she just looks absolutely this is not not important I'm just giving you details looks absolutely stunning (laughs) she probably has like fuck knows like they her and Sophia both and Tom but I'm um, particular for the women. They really just like, it, it's a tough beat to be a woman in this industry where it's like one red carpet look is the difference between you having a career or booking your next job and not, right? So mm-hmm. they look amazing. They fucking really like just sold and marketed the shit out of this film. They're wearing everything that they possibly can, jewels, the whole bit. Um, and I say this in contrast because then when Russell Crowe arrives later, he's like wearing a Rabbitohs hat. I feel in my memory, he's wearing a Rabbitohs hat, but I actually don't know if that's accurate. And I'm like scrolling through my phone to consult the photo. So I'm just like not telling fibs, but I feel like he was wearing a Rabbitohs hat. He's wearing like half stained jeans and like a fucking polo shirt. You know what I mean? Like it's probably Ralph Lauren, but it could be from Lowe's. It's like the Adam Sandler thing. He just turns up in cargo shorts and he's like, cause it doesn't matter. I'm going to get a job no matter what. 
what? Like I can be a, the biggest schlub on earth. Who cares? In a way, yes. But the Adam Sandler thing, I will say I respect because he's like come from playing basketball. You know what I mean? Like he's partially dresses that way because he's playing like three to four games of basketball a day. You know what I mean? And it's Adam Sandler, not... <laughs> Oscar winner Russell Crowe <laughs> you know I don't know I just remember the early days of his career when he used to put in effort and it's a different time anyway I have a nice Russell Crowe story to end this off so he can't, so he's around and I'm like oh fuck and then I also recognize one of his kids Russell Crowe's two sons and they're both there but in particular I recognize the younger of the two because he's a little shit stirrer and in paparazzi photos he'd always be like doing a sneaky finger as yep. in you'd he'd be with the family and then if you'd scroll in he'd always the, the the youngest son would always be giving the paps the finger but he'd be like placing the finger next to his thigh you know what i mean it was just just yep. like real dumb kid shit but i just just like <laughs> anyway like he comes past and um he's like oh i like your tats and i was like oh thanks man i like this and then i gave him the finger and he laughed and he's like and like because he obviously knows he always does that photos off he goes i don't say like hey what's it like to be russell crowe's son i just like you know he could be any fucking kid so tom cruise comes back he's doing the red carpet now he does all the tv interviews then he goes does the photo wall they all do a group shot and then he comes back and does the print interviews and so we're doing this conversation it's going really well and he's like up in my face like barely not covid safe like barely a few inches separating us <laughs> unflinching eye contact i'm asking him questions he's so enthused just and i'm the time i'm thinking i'm getting gold like fucking woodward and bernstein who i am a legend of the trade i'm getting gold this is amazing this is journalism then he extended the interview from 15 minutes to 40 and the publicist kept trying to move him on and he's like no no no, i want to keep chatting so he had a full-on 40 minute interview it's the only print journalist who got 40 minutes with tom crow i'm um, tom crow <laughs> tom cruise in australia <laughs> so just file that away i'm thinking that i'm nailing it i've just got absolute gold gonna blow the whole case wide open case it's a movie premiere calm down but that's what i'm thinking at the time right i'm buzzed i'm jazzed like beam me up zenu i'm ready to go <laughs> they had said, oh, do you want to do an interview with Russell Crowe? And I was like, no, thank you. Uh, politely, I had had a friend who had been, who had like worked tangentially for them and not had him and his team and not had the best time. And I was just like, you know, you're one word away sometimes from saying something that could be tricky or really offend this person. On the flip, I had a, another good friend of mine, Quentin Kinahan, who's now passed away. Russell Crowe had splashed out a huge amount of money to get a wheelchair access into a public pool that Quentin had brought to his attention. And then also he had helped paid for a private nurse for Quentin as well. Um, when our fucking shitty government healthcare system failed to show up for him and left him overnight. There are lots of good sides. There are also some tricky sides. I'm just giving you the facts as I know them. So like, do you want to interview Russell Crowe? And I'm like, nah, I'm good. Honestly, I don't, I just, I can't be bothered interviewing difficult people. I'm good. Thank you. He also just didn't look like he was into it. You know, it looked like if someone was like, one more interview is going to kill himself. <laughs> or, or you, you know? Anyway. Yeah. But I can see his son elbowing his dad and pointing at me. And I'm like, oh, fuck. I was like, uh-oh. And then Russell comes over and he's like, oh, my son says you've got some cool tats. 
And I was like, oh, yeah, thanks. I've got some, like, universal movie ones. And I was like, so I have uh, a Bride of Frankenstein and Frankenstein's Monster Tat. And I was also dressed for the occasion. I was wearing this universal monster, universal movie monsters dress that I have with these big, dankly glow-in-the-dark skeleton earrings, which Tom Cruise had been like, oh, my God, I love your dress, man. Oh, my God, I love your earrings. You're cool. You're so cool. Like, he kept saying that all the time, which I'm sure he said to, like, every single person. But in the moment, you're like, like, I don't care what religion you're in. Like, let's get involved. I imagine in his circles, he doesn't see, like, alternative. Did, did you have coloured hair back then? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so to see a coloured hair, tattooed, brightly dressed woman, mm. probably in Hollywood you don't get to see that shit very much. So he's probably, like, fucking blown away, like, in all honesty. Yeah, I mean, that's all the people who, like, production designers. All the production designers on a set look like you and I, and they're not the people you would see that often. You'd maybe seen, like, the senior production designer and then all the other people, like, painting a tile backstage or whatever. I have this chat with Tom Cruise. I'm asking um Tom Cruise, sorry, Russell Crowe. I'm asking him some pretty tough stuff. I didn't know I was going to get an interview with him and I had said that I didn't want it. So I hadn't prepped any questions. So I was like, well, I can't lose. So I was asking, this is not long after Trump had come in. This is like two or three months. And after the inauguration, only like even less, right? So I was asking him, you know, like the first universal movie monsters coincide with World War II and like fascist regimes. And like, do you think that has significance for this and blah, blah, blah. And we were just talking about some stuff and he was like giving me good answers, but I wasn't like, oh, my God, it broke the case open. I was like, yeah, these are pretty good answers. Anyway, so premiere happens, yada, yada, yada. I go home and I'm going to transcribe the interviews. I transcribe shit myself because I feel like, number one, that's part of your job as a journalist. You need to transcribe your own shit. Back in the day, like when I was training as a cadet, you used to have to fucking learn shorthand, which was the goddamn worst. But it's basically like, and oh, I found the photos. Yes. Okay. Russell Crowe's not wearing a rabbitose hat. He has a nice nice he looks like he's got a fresh haircut and he is wearing a blazer so lies i told him i apologize he looks way more put together than i remember in my head must have been the shoes i wonder what shoes he had because i just for some memory in my head i think maybe because the girls were in such expensive outfits and he wasn't anyway not the point so yeah transcribe your own interviews back in the day when i was a cadet journalist you had to learn shorthand which is like another language but it's so you can take notes really quickly and shit and then you started to transcribe your own stuff like you had to learn all this stuff it was like a fucking like it's a a trade right um Mm. and an important one at that now it's very common for people to send off their interviews to get transcribed and i'm like absolutely not doesn't matter how long it takes it's just fucking part of the job but also you lose something in other people transcribing your interviews and one of the things that you lose is like they pause they laugh besides the fact that most of these transcription services are only about 60 percent accurate anyway so like you get i i remember there was a place that i was working for that shall remain nameless but they insisted on every interview has to get transcribed by the service you can't do it yourself and i was like it's fucking absolutely dumb don't know why but fuck yes whatever so they sent off this fucking interview to one of these transcription services and half of them are done by robots and stuff so they don't register inflection very well the more accent there is is really tricky things like he laughed she sighed she pauses she feels uncomfortable blah 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 all of that stuff comes through 
in a voice and it's important, but also it's important when you're putting together the story to just be able to have the, the money quotes in your head as I'll transcribe. Sometimes I'll bold a line or something. So I know to come back to that later or like, that's a point that I need to tap into blah, blah, blah. So I'm transcribing these interviews and keep in mind, I'm thinking I'm all the presidents manning it with Tom Cruise, got 40 minutes. I'm a top dog. Fucking let's go. <laughs> and the Russell Crowe one is just like, 15 minutes on the side. I'm listening to the Tom Cruise one and like he said nothing. He said 40 minutes worth of audible talk, but he really said nothing. He was like, just saying words. I, I don't know how to explain it. It was just, I transcribed. You were just being show busy? Like it was just it wasn't show even, busy jargon? No, it wasn't even showbiz jargon. That's the thing. Like I've done enough showbiz jargon in my time and it is usually really hard to flesh that out for 40 minutes. It's usually a, like a smaller thing. Oh, it's just an honor to be here. And then, you know, so great to work with everyone on this. So we really believe amazing cast, amazing crew, love this country, you know, all that kind of stuff. You get maybe five minutes out of that. You don't get 40 minutes. So I'm asking him these questions and he's kind of like talking in and around and back and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like looking at it on paper and I'm like, fuck, I don't know if I have usable quotes. I think I had like four or five that were usable. In contrast, go to Crow, who I hadn't prepped for, hadn't requested, had all of 10 to 15 minutes with. And everything he gave me was gold, gravy talking Trump shit, talking politics, making the links between, you know, I had asked him questions about that, linking those two things, but there are ways to divert around that. You could have given me a softball answer and he's giving me really meaty, feisty, interesting answers. And so I ended up when I was putting the pieces together, it was for SBS, Film Inc and Junkie, pretty much on all the pieces I had to lead with the Russell Crowe. I led with the Russell Crowe stuff on SBS for sure. I can't remember. I mean, Junkie it's it's I think I might have even led with the girls I think I might have gone with the like the women of the mummy type vibe because that was also very interesting to me flipping the script and making the the mummy a woman but yeah it was just it was really 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 fascinating to me also it was kind of like not this is second I sound like a weird comparison to make but I think one of the ways, and I say stay sane as a celebrity in that conversation and Tom Cruise could be very questionable, but one of the ways you maintain any kind of public profile and sanity is you have to draw a line between what you give and what you keep, you know, what you let the public have access to and receive and perceive and what you retain for yourself. And people do that in all kinds of ways. Think of like a Ryan Gosling and Eva Mendes, you know what I mean? People didn't even know when they're married and they're already like two kids deep, you know, and that's how they are able to keep their semblance of a life and keep their semblance of sanity. In Tom Cruise's case, it's like now, and even like sort of, but you really start to see a pivot from this after the end of his marriage to Nicole Kidman, sort of like, like, yes, okay, he gets married to Katie Holmes afterwards and they have a, ki- a kid and everything. But the accessibility to them and that relationship and what we knew and what we didn't know and all that kind of stuff is very different compared to the Tom and Nick era. And I think that's intentional for a reason, but it's also intentional in his interviews as well. You know, I was watching the Oprah Adele interview and it was like, even in contrast to saying like the Meghan and Harry Oprah interview, and Oprah is one of, the, I think, the smartest, most intuitive interviewers ever. I think one of the th- reasons she's so good at that she's really able to read people and interpret and intuit a conversation and the things that they're saying and not saying like in that Megan and Harry interview for instance there's that line that people turn into a uh, to a gif and it's like were you silent or were you silenced and everyone's like ah Oprah on her Oprah shit (laughs) in the Adele interview what I found so interesting 
interesting is how little of herself she gave. Like there were no specifics. It was all broad strokes. It was like a lot of sort of therapy speak. And I love that for her and like, good, smart for her, protect yourself however you can. But it was, it kind of not to compare and contrast, but it was like when I was looking, I wasn't even asking personal questions. I don't give a fuck about Suri or any of that kind of stuff. Oh, is she going to act? Don't know. Don't care. Not for me. I just want to talk about monsters, doggy. And (laughs) even then it was just like, so you could have had those quotes from anyone. There was nothing about them Mm. really. That was to say they were from Tom Cruise. And that was my experience interviewing Tom Cruise. The end. (laughs) It's something that I've always thought about with Scientology is Scientology is a little less of religion than like a thing to help people become whatever big thing. Like, so for Tom Cruise, I think he's learned all that through Scientology. That's what I thought too, because I was reading it and then I went down the deep rabbit hole, as I'm sure was their intention, of the type of language and how he used it. And it's also always like that's how they get you into the Scientology centers in the first place is um, it's motivational speaking it's life coaching it's life improvement and then you know it's a slow step up and that is straight up what the quotes were like I was just like I was just really like truly one of the most interesting experiences of like I got played dog not played like I don't think he intentionally played me I think that's just like I'm sure everybody got the same but yeah. It, it was really fascinating, especially, I think, having the contrast of the Russell Crowe situation right there as well. Uh, it was just really insightful, very interesting. I think about it all the time in the context of, of interviewing different people and how to do it and hopefully how to do it better. You know, 2017 is, oh my God, how long many, is that five years ago? <laughs> Fun. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I think of it in context of like, Tom Cruise was burnt real bad by mm. being too open mm-hmm. with the whole Katie Holmes thing and all that stuff. And he, like, you know, once burned, twice shy, he has now gone, I'm never letting that happen again. Yeah. So no one gets anything from me anymore. Like, uh, whether or not he's like a conscious thing or, you know, something he's like, nah, don't want to feel that again. So I think, especially as he gets older as well, like, he doesn't need gossip rags talking about his personal life. He's just like, all you're going to talk about is my movies. All I care about is making movies and all you're going to hear from me is about the movie I've just made. If you're lucky, you're going to see me waving on a train (laughs) and that's it. You know, like, that's just, that's just who he is in terms of the timing of it like 2017 being huh, five years ago I had been a professional writer and journalist and interviewer and all that shit I had two books out had worked and was working on a live nightly news tv show at that time I had been doing all of that for 12 years by that point I wasn't some schmuck you know one day at the newspaper or anything like that I'd had over a decade's experience now I've got another five years and you know you've learned more things and different things but still it's it was just really fascinating to me I'd actually I'd really love and I'm because I know she's interviewed him a few times over the year I'd love to get Angela Bishop's read on him because obviously the things that you're getting for television are very different but I wonder if like those sound grabs and those sound bites are always useful you know I wonder if they're always like like something that's interesting and exciting for television. I'd love to know that. I wonder if also, I feel like Tom Cruise is the kind of person who is so famous and such a movie star that will dazzle anyone. Even people who hate him will be dazzled by that. And so that afterwards they'll be like, holy shit, what was that? So that's maybe what he used on you. He's like glamour power. It was star power, baby. That's what it yeah. is. Like when your little phone pings with these images, like you'll see in the pictures, it's just like, I'm a moderate Tom Cruise fan. Moderate. I'm not like a diehard Tom Cruise. Like if I couldn't get a Tom 
upcoming cruise interview, I'd have been sad about it because that's for sure someone that is just be like a Will Smith, you know what I mean? Not, a, mm-hmm. But he's not Mariah Carey to me. I'm not like, yeah. I don't think I could ever interview that person because I would have another stroke and break down because I love them so much. There is only Mariah Carey for me, really. Um, actually, I did interview Jennifer Lee quite recently, who's the woman who, she's the new head of Disney Animation, but she also uh, wrote, directed, produced Frozen, Frozen 2, first woman to make a billion dollars at the box office, real artistic hero of mine. And I was like, <laughs> I thought I would have been way cooler about it than I was, and I was not. I was just like, hi, Jen, ha, ha. original J-Lo, ha, you're one of my artistic heroes. <laughs> like I was just like, oh, Jesus. But I feel like that's my superpower sometimes because a lot of times in these situations it's people playing it too cool for school. And I'm a very earnest person. I love what I love and I love to love what I love. Sometimes if you've just done like 20 interviews back to back and it's everyone pretending to be too cool, if you get someone who's just like, oh, I love your shit. Um, here's 12 things I like about it. Let's discuss. Then it's, it's refreshing. It's like if I do an interview and if I rock up to that interview and the person who's interviewing me has actually read the fucking book for starters that they're interviewing me about, or they're interviewing me about, uh, I don't know, a podcast or something that I've put out or something that I've worked on and have actually listened to it <laughs> and have thoughts and have condensed thoughts or whatever, have any kind of cohesive opinion on it and can engage in the content immediately. I'm always really excited because I'm just like, Oh my God, that's so good because everybody has done those interviews where you sit down and they're like, so I haven't had a chance to read the book. And I'm like, Oh fuck, why am I here then? <laughs> you know, like that recent Adele thing, like straight up a fucking million dollar interview. Cause they're like, stop, well, listen to the album. Then get stop. the fuck out of here. Whatever. Now this is the thing with that. This is, this shows for them specifically channel seven. I genuinely believe are probably the most, if not one of the most racist television networks top to bottom in this country at a fundamental level on screen behind the scenes everything you could possibly imagine right just absolutely apparent incomprehensible malicious evil shit but and this isn't about to say like but they have a point they don't have a point they're dogs but what's also interesting about that is that whole situation occurs from two things number one not valuing entertainment journalism and number two not valuing female artists because the person they send to it yes okay Matt Duran, um, every journalist trains in general news. So the idea is that you're across everything. Like court reporting isn't my true joy or passion, but if I had to do it, I could do it. Now I wouldn't do it as good as someone who's a trained court reporter, but I'd probably be able to get by. I would need some fucking help. That's for sure. But he's a crime reporter. That's his specialty is crime. And so they didn't care enough about entertainment journalists. They thought, oh, it's just fine. Entertainment journalists. Entertainment's just flat. We'll just send the fucking crime reporter. If he can cover a murder, he can cover a dumb fucking like entertainment story. Right. But that is a very widely, widely held belief amongst certain places. Ironically, not so much Channel 9. Well, I shouldn't say that because like, you know, Richard Wilkins is like basically a mollusk in a suit at this point, but people like Brooke Boney who are like very skilled, very well researched, like really know their shit entertainment journalists, you know, people like that. So number one, they don't value entertainment journalism. And then number two, they don't value female artists because it's one album. Like the whole duration of the album is 42 minutes and you Mm. don't check your emails. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? The most important email I ever missed in my life. How do you miss that? The second I'm, I would have been freaking out on the plane 
absolutely not. Yeah. Absolutely not. Take the Jennifer Lee situation. All right. I had to do that. I was like working on a TV show up in Sydney. I had a week back to back of 16 hour days. I could not have looked worse. Like Steve Buscemi who it was just, I truly, I was like picture of Dorian Gray. <laughs> it was just bad shit. <laughs> But I have to prep questions for this Jennifer Lee interview. And obviously because it's Disney, they're big dogs and it's a televised interview. It's being streamed live and everything. You've got to send through the questions ahead of time. So I spend an entire flight and it's a flight from fucking Sydney to Melbourne. So it's an hour and a half, not Sydney to London, which is like, oh my God, so long. You have like minimum 16 to 18 hours to prep. I just, and half the album had leaked anyway. Actually, the whole thing had leaked. I take that back. Not half. The whole thing had leaked. So even if you hadn't listened to the legal link that they'd sent you, if you'd been on your shit, you would have listened to the full thing. Anyway, this is totally off Tom Cruise. I'm just going on a rant now, but you know, those are my (laughs) feelings. I love to hear them. (laughs) We love a rant. Oh, yes, we do. Okay. Yeah. To bring it back to Tom Cruise a little bit. So the photo of you where you're doing like the fist motion, what was that about? (laughs) So for for the way (laughs) you mean the photo where we're fisting? No. Um, (laughs) Okay. So from memory, because there's a it's a sequential series of images where he's got his two fists up, and I've got one fist up, and my other fist is holding the phone, which is recording. I'm pretty sure from the the way I remember is that's when he's saying to me, "I love your dress, I love your earrings," and I was like, "Oh, I had to dress theme. It's universe on theme. It's Universal Movie Monsters dress." And he's like, "Oh yeah." that's how I remember it like and be like that's so cool I love the energy yeah and I was like yeah <laughs> like Chris thinks I'm cool uh, yeah please but like I th- th- like he was bringing a certain energy level and I was just like yeah I guess <laughs> freedom was his energy level like super up the whole time like it was movie star the whole time from the second he got out of the car which, by the way, the hotel was just around the corner. Like, if he wasn't Tom Cruise, I have every, like, feeling that he probably just would have legged it. But he pulls up and then straight to people. He's smiling. He's engaged. He's listening to people. Like, take literally taking photos with babies. Fucking someone's – I could see them because they were, like, right there, had called their mum on FaceTime and were on the phone. And then they flipped the phone to Tom Cruise. And he's like, hi. And she's like, ah. It was a whole thing. Like he was really like giving every single person time, but also like that was his job to do it. Like I'm there to do my job. The fans are the people who come out and see my movies. It's not, you know, goodness of his own heart. Maybe who knows, but it's also really smart business. You know, you want those. If you're going out there signing a bunch of shit for people at the premiere for the mummy and they're having to stare at a mummy banner, they remember that it's a two second interaction, but they remember how you made them feel. They remembered that you were generous with your time that you gave them respect and unflinching eye contact and energy and you know then he dips over does the photo wall and then comes back like he was just on man like Mm. I'm sure it's not that like that when he's chilling out at home or he's hanging out with Jamie Foxx or whatever he does in his free time but yeah he was on I've only been to a couple of film premieres and not as a journalist because I am not a journalist uh when I lived in London I would attend just hang out and attend film premieres and at Piccadilly was it Piccadilly no Leicester Square Uh, at the cinema so one of the first ones I went to was Hitch. So yeah. I got to see, I got to shake <sighs> fucking Will Smith's hand. Cool. And Evelyn so cool. Goria said my, ha- said my hands were cold. And I'm like, I'm never <laughs> watching this hand again. <laughs> 
Um, so just like stuff like that. I did one of the Harry Potter ones, which was something Goblet of Fire, which was a thousand times bigger than like the Hitch one. It was it was amazing. And Daniel Radcliffe was doing what you were describing the the Tom Cruise stuff, except with no professionalism at all. Like it was just this teenager going, "This fucking rules," and just wandering around. Yeah, very cute. He's a very. I interviewed him once at so well that little precinct. So, so like Soho, Soho is like a square where every film production company or like every big studio, or whatever has a big fancy fuck off office in that area with inbuilt screening rooms and whatever. It's like very important. Weirdly, like you can't film shit there, but it's like weirdly sort of one of the most small, most important small sort of geographical areas. Cause you go to LA, the studios and shit offices, everything is all spread out. But in the UK and mm. London, it's just this one bit, one square. And I interviewed him for another universal <laughs> monster movie, Victor Frankenstein. And he was so nice. I had literally just got off the plane, gone straight from Heathrow to the interview. I was feeling wrecked and I had just like expressed that. I was like, oh, so sorry. I've just fucking landed. He's like, from Australia? And I was like, yeah. He made me a cup of tea and was like, do you want <laughs> Like it was so nice. And then he was wearing a crew hat. I can't remember what film it was for, but I was saying to him, I was like, you weren't in that. And he's like, yeah, I collect crew hats for movies I wasn't in. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, so when you work on a film, every person on the crew gets X amount of merch. So it's usually like a hat, a t-shirt, blah, blah, blah. Sometimes they're really cool. Like the Thor Ragnarok fucking crew shirts and hats and shit were dope. Like, and also for Thor Love and Thunder, they had this Sydney dude who I know did all the designs for the, for the crew stuff. And it just looked was so cool. But this wasn't that. This was just some fucking hat that had like, I don't know fucking the social network on it or whatever <laughs> it, was <Yep>. like, <laughs> it was so weird but he was such a nice love lovely nice man so i saw the, the biggest one i saw was pirates of the caribbean 2 i think and i kind of had to sneak in because that was like had a cut off time where fans could line up and everything and i managed to sneak in and at the time i was a very big johnny depp fan mm. uh, not anymore weren't we all by the time and- weren't we all <laughs> <laughs> that was the era though because it was willy wonka it was the pirates movies it was like finding netherland it was like that was his big second and coming moment. But you can see how they all, like, they were also different. So Kira Knightley snubbed everyone and just kind of wandered through and posted photos and left and looked extremely strung out. So whatever, like, I have no ill feelings towards her, but I was kind of like, oh, that's a bit disappointing. Also, imagine being 19 and going through that. Like, oh, yeah. 100% understand why celebrities get fucked up. Like, I just, I couldn't even fathom. I couldn't even fathom. No, she, couldn't. Like, she was in love actually at 17 and the, then. Bender like Beckham, Pirates, Pirates True, like all that shit blew up so fast. I just like, I wouldn't have fucking, I barely made it through 19 as was, let alone <laughs> that amount of visibility. That famous, yeah, Jesus Christ. Then Johnny Depp came through and he barely spoke to anyone, but he signed and said hello to every single person. And I didn't get one. I was taking photos and I was shaking so much by the time it was in front of me that the photo is just a fucking mess. <sighs> and then as his walk goes past again. So my interaction with Johnny Depp was non-existent. But Orlando Bloom, was and I was really indifferent to him mm. I loved him as Legolas but otherwise I was like eh. he was so kind and genuine to every single person he was mucking around he was like all the fire kept going off in the top of the Odeon and he would react to it and it was the cutest thing on earth and like my opinion on him completely changed like mm. I was like I love this guy like this guy loves hanging out with his fans and I mean he's maybe he was new to it and hasn't burned out or anything no, so I could tell for all Johnny- intents and purposes like it seems like he's still really like that like he still does the fan conventions and shit like that he seems like he yeah he does yeah he seems like a really chill person for someone who once punched Justin Bieber in the face. 
<laughs> Do you remember that? Oh, Vaguely. fuck. I'll never forget. I was working as a tabloid journalist. Uh, where was I? I think I was on the Daily Telegraph. There was a fucking crazy week. But this video came out of Ibiza and it was like, if you imagine like, uh, what's that? Like the, like it was like a Renaissance painting. Leonardo DiCaprio in one corner of the room, like Lindsay Lohan's there, Rihanna's there, blah, blah, blah. Orlando Bloom goes up and punches Justin Bieber in the face. <laughs> And then the security guards like pulling him off him and oh man, it was a wild time. And the Australian angle was because it was over his, um, then, well now ex-wife and at the time they'd already separated, but yeah. So the, the like Miranda Kerr angle was like the big sort of like Australian shoehorning their way into the drama coming out of Ibiza. <laughs> to bring that back to Tom Cruise is I, I think he, he's doing it for, I mean, he probably enjoys it to an extent. Mm. Otherwise he could make excuses easily and get out of it. But he knows this is all publicity. The more people who interact with me and love it and they will more likely go see the movie and tell people about it. Yeah, all very businessy and everything. And it doesn't make me like Tom Cruise less. Like I was like, no, there was a this, really, hustle. Like, there was a really good piece on, if you don't read this website or listeners haven't read this website before I highly recommend it is one of the most interesting insightful intellectual dissections of celebrity celebrity culture the work behind the work it's called Lainey Gossip it's run by Elaine Liu uh, she's an Asian Canadian woman and most of the people who work for the website are the women of color or queer anyway Lainey Gossip came up in the era of like just Jared Perez Hilton Gorka a lot of places that have like disappeared fallen away anyway she always has amazing interesting insightful celebrity commentary and there was a piece talking about it was just after <laughs> uh, when Tom Cruise had gone to see Tenant and he's just like wow <laughs> guys wow movies movies fucking movies I love movies, I love movies. <laughs> oh fuck love a movie still my favorite thing that's ever happened Tom Cruise related <laughs> so good but it was a really she did this really interesting piece talking about how Tom Cruise doesn't know who he is unless he's on a set. Like he's been, that's, that's his life. His, his, he doesn't have downtime. He might have a week or a month, but like who he is as a person and where he's happiest is clearly on a set filming a thing. And she was talking about the frustration. It was not long after his, like his audio thing had come out as well. And so she was talking about being able to hear the frustration in that because he's like, this is who he is as a person on a set filming a thing. He doesn't know who he is mm. outside of that. There is no, that's the Tom Cruise thing. So it was that always really stuck with me and I found really, really interesting because it's kind of true. Like you don't, there was that photo of him not too long ago when he hadn't given his fillers long enough to settle and he was at a baseball game. I was going to bring that up as well. (laughs) Oh man, these guys, like I'm all for breaking down the gender lines and having these discussions about cosmetic enhancement and, you know, people doing things to make themselves feel better and look better and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Like it's been such a gendered conversation for so long. For the love of God, these men need to get some female friends in their lives or some gay men because no female friend or gay man would have let somebody go out in public who's the level of famous that Tom Cruise is that recently after having injectables. You need a month minimum before that shit has settled and it looks like you have a proper face. Same with Matt Damon. I was like, he was doing Ben Affleck showing up to the Venice premiere of The Last Duel was doing his friend a favor with JLo because I was like, he knows his friend's face looks fucked and Ben Affleck would never make that mistake with the fillers because JLo would be like, babe, absolutely not. Like, look at my face. Look at my life. I'm 50. Am I? I'm a mortal. Like, please stop. You give it a month. So he's like, babe, 
Matt's fucked up with the fillers. He did a GQ shoot. It looks terrible. And people are going to know it's fillers because he's about to go and do a fucking photo wall for Venice. So they're going to see his face as a deflated. And everyone's going to know. It's going to be so embarrassing. Will you come and do our first official red carpet at Venice for the last duel? And she's like, sure. What's the movie about? And he's like, don't worry about it. Just, just come. <laughs> and so there was somebody else, Bradley Cooper and oh, fuck who Bradley Cooper and Brad Pitt. When Brad Pitt first started getting fillers, he would hit red carpets too soon after. I remember he did a red carpet for, I think it was um, Killing Them Softly, and he just had fillers. And I was just like, I could, in my mind, I could just imagine, because they were still together at the time, Angelina Jolie, like, seeing those pictures come through and be like, absolutely not. Are you insane? Got to do a red carpet? You're one of the most photographed men in the world. What are you doing? Did you not listen? No, stop it. Never again. You give it a rest period, you know? <laughs> But, yeah, love that. Uh, you wonder if, like, because Tom Cruise must have been getting fillers for a while. Like, did he really just really want to go to that game? To, to re- I, I don't know. It was it was wild. Like, the internet was just going. Because Ben's like, uh-oh, Tom Cruise is trending on Twitter. Like, so oh, it's no, what's happened? And, and then he's like, oh, no. And so it was, like, madly. And it didn't, because I've never had fillers, so I don't have any experience with it. I was like, no, it's not plastic surgery because you can't recover from plastic surgery that quickly. Well, you think about the Barbara Streisand photos of when she got a facelift and she's got, like, her face is held together with bandages and stitches and all that kind of stuff. Like it's different between like invasive and non-invasive. And yeah, like finding all the pictures, I'm like, this is him two weeks before this. Like Mm. he's not had plastic and we'll work. And then you, I message you about it and you're like, no, it's fillers. I'm like, ah, yes, of course. I know. I I don't understand what was so important about that game for him to risk it, but also, I don't know. No, I, I, it wasn't very Tom Cruise of him. It wasn't, I feel like, yeah. I would have skipped the game. No one told him and yeah. It looked like he got them that day straight up like it looks like he got he got fillers that day and it's yeah, that day if not the day before yeah <laughs> and it's like women have gone through decades of this shit being shamed for it and female celebrities publicly like look at the renee Zellweger mm. situation that was only fucking two years ago that was an oscar campaign for end of 2019 2020 that's really goddamn recent so it's just like i don't know learn from women's mistake not women's mistakes i shouldn't say that it has nothing to do with them learn from the way that women were treated like women have if there's a celebrity that just goes off the grid for a wee bit it's like they get fillers or they're just like having a little bit of a rhinoplasty or a little bit of a jaw shave or something you know what I mean Mm. but then also don't do it so that we can see it and then we can be like look men get it too stop fucking carrying on like pork chops they're celebrities of course they're going to get actually average people in work of just regular jobs who aren't fucking in the spotlight are getting it then of course fucking celebrities are getting it in abundance and who cares so yeah I love it I like I mean I love the discussion about it because it was so funny like I tweeted (laughs) and the Matt Damon pictures came out thank god he did the red carpet too because everyone was like it's just photoshop and a bad tan when the GQ photo shoot came out and I was like oh my god I haven't seen it I was like babe I grew up on the Gold Coast like don't please talk to me about it's not surgery like come on anyway I had put this tweet out saying that the only F slur Matt Damon uses anymore is fillers (laughs) because this was just (laughs) after the controversy around around him like his daughter telling him that the other f word was bad oh, we we discussed that at length in a previous episode oh, man. Fucking hell. and all the men angrily replying to my tweet like it, it's rude to dissect a man's physical appearance like this like it blah 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 all this stuff and i'm like cool 
maintain that level of rage literally any time in the next two seconds when a woman gets like lambasted for the fucking same thing it was just like it was so fascinating it was like all these men who literally crickets for any time it's a woman gets picked apart over appearance and the second a man had very visibly altered his face it's not permanent that shit fades away but in a photo shoot then it was like how dare you talk about it i'm like it's his face though you know what I mean? Like, it's a pretty... Your movie star, it's a pretty like... big part of being a movie star, yeah. Yeah, it's partially your face. I mean, the Hemsworths, I think, are really, like, democratising the business by making it just as much about your traps and your abs as well. But the face is, is vital. Like, Chris Hemi, he's going to be able to, like, keep it chill on his face for quite a while as long as he's still got the abs. Like, and as long as he doesn't shrink from, like, six foot three or four or whatever you know people will be so yeah. distracted by the hair and the height and the body that they're not going to be like oh did he have a little bit of some something to his face like come on use a face mask it doesn't this is the whole <laughs> you know that that meme where it's like hey guys is it gay to like wash your bed sheets or it's like hey guys is it gay if you eat vegetables like that whole meme of like <laughs> anytime a man looks after himself any capa- under any capacity is it gay it's like it's not gay to use a face mask it's not gay to look after your skin and if it is, who cares? Like, shit. It's something all men should should do anyway, just because, you know, that's the thing that gets the fucking sun all the time. Yeah. And also, if you're a fucking celebrity, wash your face properly. My God. You can I get mean, the best they products do. in the world. And they yeah. do, 100%. Like, that's the other thing is we talk about, oh, this is another thing from Lainey Gossip, and it's like, you know, fillers, cosmetic surgery, blah, 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 lots of different stuff. But 50, they talk about it in the context of JLo a lot. 50 now looks different from 50, 10 years ago because the technology is better and not just like cosmetics and stuff. But even if you weren't getting fillers or, you know, a nose job or a nip tuck here, honestly, I don't know if I've ever seen a nip tuck where it actually looks like great. I'm always like, that looks painful and you look very different, but you know, it, whatever, <laughs> live, laugh, love. But the LED face masks, the microdermabrasion, the exfoliation, the science, the technology, the, the oils, the treatments, the fucking in rose quartz the rolling the vampire facials all the stuff that you can do that's not injectables is the technology for it so much better than it ever was before and it's just like people are going to be heading 50 and looking better than they ever were before it's like anytime you see olden day photos and you're like whoa jesus and they're like she was 16 and i was like oh my god you know what i mean <laughs> you like see a picture well, that- and they're like he was 12 and he's got on um, full mustache and no teeth and like a scar <laughs> I was like, I was thinking about the Golden Girls the other day, and I'm like, because Betty White's what 100 now, uh, and I'm like, but Golden Girls was like nearly 40 years ago. I know, fuck? I like, know, and, and they were yeah, supposed like, to be old then, like yeah. wild. I think it must be the 90s onwards where that sort of beauty and stuff really advanced, because I think in the 80s, like you look at how Dolly Parton looked in the 80s compared to now, and I'm like, she looks older then than mm. she does now. Like she, because mm. the 80s, I don't know, they didn't give a fuck, and they all had tightly curled hair, and also, yeah, it's it's a big part like you know how the 90s is having a big comeback at the moment and i'm like mm. i don't know if that's for the best dog like 
the clothes were not made to make anybody look good. You know what I mean? Like I was going for a jog the other day and I passed this chick who was like big Buffy season three energy, like leather trench to her ankles, matching leather pants, halter, tiny sunglasses, the little bleach bits at the front of her hair. And I was just like, this is just, she was maybe like 20, 21, really young. Mm. And I was just like, we can take the nineties attitude or some nineties accessories, but like the clothes, like we lived it, man. I was a kid in the time, but like the clothes, those weren't good. It was like take a take a vibe, baby, or take a choker here or a fucking butterfly hair clip there. Mm. But the clothes were fucking terrible. Flannel or leather? Those were your options? No. Well, so the Y two the Y two fashion that's back. I'm like, guys, I uh, I was in my twenties, early twenties uh, then, and whoa, this whole thing. This is it. a very big nineties thing as well of like the not wearing bras with stuff anymore. And I'm like, totally, burn the bra, feminism forever. I hear you, babe, but you're going to regret this. Number one, it's super painful if you're over a B cup to walk around braless, yep. right? It's just like actually physically painful. Number two, like in five to 10 years time, you're going to be tucking them titties into a belt and you'd be like, damn, I wish I wore a bra for like the first half of my twenties, you know? Well, I think we've actually probably gone over what our full episode was meant to be, like, was. And, uh, well, look, you edit it. You edit it well. <laughs> <laughs> nah, don't nah, nah, worry about that. Thank you so much for talking to me um, about so entertainment. Welcome. Like, one of my favorite things to talk about is just fucking celebrity and entertainment and everything in general. And not my honestly, like, um, I don't have time for that. Like, it's a, uh, it's not very interesting. I'm like, get fucked. Like, I don't want to know about who's dating who. I just want to know all the ins and outs of the fucking entertainment industry. It's fun. But it's truly like one of my favorite subjects to talk about. And like, I know I gave Laney Gossip like three shout outs, but one of the reasons I love that website is because, you know, she does interviews and works on a talk show and stuff too. But it's the work behind the work that I find really interesting. Like, yes, you have the interview with Tom Cruise and it's, it's, you know, you do the quotes and it's like Zeno talk and stuff. And that's, it is what it is. But to me, the 40 minute interview is not as interesting as mm. watching him show up an hour and a half early, sign all the See photographs. How he works. Yeah. yeah. To know the photographers are here. I'll get, I'll get a, go get a bunch of pictures first so they can file and make their deadlines. And then I'll go back and like that. The work behind the work is the stuff that I find truly interesting and really fascinating. And it's like, unless you've done that job or been in it as a publicist or a journal or something, or even as a theater operator, you don't necessarily know. So I hope other people found that interesting, but if not, it's just great to yarn Too bad for them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ah, don't yeah. sue me. <laughs> I'll get you to like plug anything that you want to plug right yes. now. Yes. Coming up in early 2022, I have a audio documentary, six parts coming Coming out through Nova podcast called The Phantom Never Dies. And it's a look into the very first superhero, a guy called The Phantom, who was actually so significant and important that the character of Batman was actually a copy of that character. I'm not sure when this oh. episode comes out, um, but the trailer might be already out for you to like subscribe. If not, just keep that on your radar. The Phantom Never Dies drops from Nova Podcasts in early 2022. That's my baby. I'm the writer, researcher, host, producer on that with the incredibly talented Elise Cooper, who is our executive producer. Um, my seventh book, The Rose Daughter, came out in April this year. And there are six others in that series called the Supernatural Sister series. They each book focuses on a different type 
type of monster and a different type of woman. So you don't have to read all the books. You don't have to jump in at number one. You can jump in at any point. They're not designed to be exclusionary. It's like a comic. You get extra stuff if you've read them all, but if you haven't, no dramas. You can just jump in for like, oh, she's a sprite in their 40s. Or you can be like, oh, she's a banshee and she's 19 or whatever the fuck. Josie and the Podcats is probably a show that is relevant to your listeners. It is an audio documentary I did with my best mate, Blake Howard, about the 2001 cult film, Josie and the Pussycats, and the weird sort of pop culture etymology of that character and Archie comics and how that tied into America's civil rights movement and all sorts of shit. And um, there's a show that I worked on, which is coming out at the moment in Australia called Firebite, which is indigenous vampire hunters and fucking monsters in the desert. And you can watch that. It's rolling out week to week, I believe, on AMC+. Plus. Um, so if that sounds like it would tickle your pickle, I would highly recommend checking that out as well. Is, is that already out? I believe it drops this week. So or maybe oh, shit, yeah. that out, but it, it starts dropping this week. So for episode one, I think they're dropping week to week. I don't think they're dropping the whole season at once. <laughs> or at least I hope okay. not. Awesome. Um, as for me, it's Tom Cruise Reviews on Instagram, Tom Cruise Review, no S on the end on Twitter, or just my website, TomCruiseReviews.com. Maria, it's been an absolute pleasure having you. It's I been so great. I cannot thank you enough for indulging me in this Tom Cruise <laughs> nonsense. <laughs> Thanks everyone for listening and we'll catch you next time. <laughs>